hello, Career Nation. Welcome to the Deliver on Your Business podcast, where you are the boss. Each week, we talk about how to make the most of your business as an independent contractor, as a courier delivering for gig economy apps like Grubhub, DoorDash, Postmates, Uber Eats, and so many others. Well, welcome back for another week, Courier Nation. And I've got a special treat this week. We've got an interview with the CPA, Mark Toussaint, who specializes in uh, especially independent contractor taxes. Uh, he is a CPA. He's worked all sorts of different levels. Uh, he's also on faculty of accounting for a university here in the Denver area. I'll go into more detail on that in a moment. I do want to apologize for the audio quality on this. Um, the arrangements that I had for um, recording the interview didn't work out real well, but Mark was able to record off of a phone call. And so you're going to hear me sounding really distant and tinny, but Mark's the guy doing most of the talking and providing most of the information here. So he's the guy you want to listen to anyway. So kick back, enjoy the information. And if you've got questions that come up from this, shoot them my way. I'd be glad to run them by Mark or anybody else and see what we can come up with for you. Uh, Thank you again for being part of Courier Nation and uh, kick back and enjoy the interview. Thanks. You know, if you're like me, you've been watching all the tax documents trickling in, and a lot of these, you know, they've got to be put in the mail by the company sending them out by the last day of January. So by now, you should have gotten most of them. You might have one or two stragglers coming in. But part of what you're going to be receiving is your 1099 statements from the delivery companies as an independent contractor. And, of course, all these tax documents have taxes on top of everybody's minds. And I'm noticing that, uh, like on my website, a lot of the visitors that I'm getting right now are looking up information about taxes. So I thought it would be a good idea to talk taxes today, and especially to get somebody on here who knows what they're talking about. I try and come up with information, research the information, but it's always helpful to have somebody that works this every day. So I'm pleased to be joined today by Mark Scott and uh, Mark got an impressive list of qualifications. He owns and operates Task Public Accounting and CFO Services in Colorado. He's also on the faculty at Metropolitan State University in Denver, and uh, he's in the accounting department there. And he's also been on staff with uh, large accounting firms and uh, worked with some giants and uh, you know big businesses, all sorts of uh, experience in accounting. He knows his stuff. And <laughs> On top of that, from time to time, Mark also works as a dasher with DoorDash. And so he knows the accounting, he knows the tax stuff, and really glad to have him on here because he also knows the independent contractor gig economy delivery world. And so, Mark, I want to thank you for joining us today. Thanks, uh, is John. there anything you want to add to all of that list? That oh, I, I, think you, I think you said a lot. So, uh, yeah, I've been, I've been doing accounting for 24 years now. Um, I, I do own uh, Task Public Accounting and CFO Services. Um, our parent company is Tax and Accounting Service Company. Uh, we're out of Boulder, Colorado. Uh, it was also this uh, this year opened a Longmont, Colorado office at 318 Main Street in Longmont. Um, so yeah, it is now tax season, and I'm getting a lot of questions about the 1099 and you know what to do with it. One of the biggest questions that I've seen so far is um, they've done it wrong. What do I do? 
and I don't know if you've heard that on your website or people that you talk to, but, but I see that a lot. You know, yeah, hey, I've seen a lot of people saying that they got the wrong information. I got the wrong information. So what I have here, I, I've got on my screen here, and we're recording this from the screen here, is that uh, I pulled up a 1099 miscellaneous statement, which is what you're going to receive from your delivery service that you work for. Um, over here on the left-hand side, of the thing, you'll see the the name of the company. Let's say that it's DoorDash. They would have their name and address over here on the left hand side. Um, the biggest thing you're going to see on this, and probably the only thing you're going to see on this, is box number seven, non-employee compensation, and that's going to tell you how much money DoorDash says they paid you. As again, you're not an employee of theirs, so non-employee compensation, how much they paid you. Um, if that number does not match your records then you know this is why people are complaining hey they paid me more than that or they paid me less than that and they're saying I made way more um, how do you know this uh, you know I looked at the DoorDash app and it every week it tells you what your earnings are and if you dig through it it'll tell you if you had some reimbursements on there so um, if you had reimbursements uh, that usually comes at DoorDash when you go to some place and it says use your card to pay for this service and uh, we'll pay you back uh, so you go there, you try, you don't have a red card, or which is their credit card. You don't have one of those, and so you use your own personal card, and I've done it a couple of times. Um, you pay for the thing, and then you send them a copy of the receipt, and then they add it to your pay. So if that's there, that's a reimbursement, and that will not be included in this non-employee compensation number. That's not compensation that they paid you. So that could be one of the discrepancies. Because yeah. uh, that, that's something I've wondered. I've I've never gone that route, so I've never seen how they record it. Yep. And that's always the big question: is are they going to report that as income, or do they report that as a reimbursement? And they because, well, so they uh, don't report it at all. They report it to you, you know on the app. It right. Yeah, they report it to you on your app as as other payments, and it says reimbursement. And it tells you the amount, and it's up to you to check the receipt that you have from the restaurant and with your credit card and make sure that matches. Okay, but when they do give you your compensation, it will not include that dollar amount. So that non-employee compensation. So if okay, that's good. what you're, so if that's what you're seeing on there, and you're saying, hey, it's wrong, now you know why. Okay. So now some other people I saw, and again, these are people who post on social media, and sometimes I feel like they just post things for attention. But I've seen people say, hey, they, I've got two thousand dollars more of compensation than even my app says. So what do you do then? What would you do if you got that, Ron? the first thing that I tell people is don't go by the app because don't go by that you look app. at the app it only goes back a few months and, and, uh, and, that's, and that's a problem that, that's really good uh, advice you can't get that information from DoorDash anywhere you can't but you know where you do have it um, every week they, they transfer the money into your bank account exactly so, so if you look at your bank yep. statements every week you should be able to see what's in there and and when i say look at your bank statements that might be dating myself go online and look at the statement online uh you know they used to send out a paper statement when i was younger which is a long time ago um they used to do that you get an actual statement in the mail now i don't think anybody does that anymore but go on you know you go on your bank app or whatever you can probably look through the transactions uh i found out my bank does it for a year now i can go back the whole year and look things and i can even search for doordash and it'll pop up with all the payments they sent me so um so i've got that there so i would take those numbers first add those up and compare them but then what's happening there is 
again, if you've got some reimbursements in there, those numbers aren't going to match again. So um, you need to you need to really keep track of what you're doing here. That's the biggest thing uh, for drivers is no one's keeping track of it but you. This is your business. You know, you need to keep track of it. I, I have this conversation not just with delivery drivers but with everybody who's in business. You know, I, I say, well, why didn't you keep track of that? Well, I didn't have time. You know, and it's like, well, how do you know how much money you made? How do you know how much money is supposed to be there? You know, people do make mistakes. Maybe the yeah, bank made a mistake. A yeah, maybe someone paid you the wrong amount. What about that? You know, and otherwise, like, oh, well, that never happened, and you'd be surprised. So, um, you know, you need to you need yeah. to just take well, the time. The people that they go. Oh, I'm sorry. You get the people that they they do this on the side, you know, and then they take the instant cash out. And it's just go out there to make a little bit of money here and there, and they're not paying attention. And then they see the numbers, and they they think it looks high, but they've never really paid attention. Right. And uh, so yeah, I think you've got you've got something there about you know making sure you know first. Make so sure what you happens know. then if you've added it up, and especially I, there's probably two different ways to go about it. If they report it as too low. I don't see that as an issue as much, but if they report it as what you made, what do you do there? Well, your first step is to contact them. You know, you've, you've gone through all the steps to make sure that you've tracked it effectively and you know what it should be. And now you're saying, well, so let's look at my example. I, I put in a, it's just a number there, $12,598. And I went to my bank and I, right. I added up and I got $10,000. And I'm saying, well, why are they telling me they paid me twelve thousand? They owe me two, right? So, I, what would you do if someone owed you money? You call them and say, hey, pay me. And that's what I would do. I would call DoorDash. Now, I don't know if you've ever called DoorDash, but I have oh, had to yeah. call them. I have had to call them a few times. You know, maybe something wasn't ready, so I went to go get an order, and they said they didn't have it, something like that. And I call them, and I I get routed to a a call center person who's sometimes I don't even think they're in the U.S. I think sometimes they, no. they're they very, uh, yeah, their English sometimes is a little broken. I think they're offshore. And so if you ask them anything other than, you know, hey, where's my order? Can you resend my order? You know, they don't, yeah, it's on a script and they don't know what to do. So so you're not going to get anywhere calling that help desk. I'll just save you some time right now. I don't ever call that number. Uh, where you need to go is to one of their local offices and see if you can contact someone there or see if you can contact that office and get a number for someone in accounting. So that's that's your issue there. And then, um, like you said, if it's too low, what do I do? Well, there, there's a couple thoughts on that one. Well, it's too low. I only have to report what they reported. I don't know if that's necessarily true because what you need to do is report all of your income regardless of what it says on the 1099. So if you made... 15,000 and then you get the 1099 or yeah, the 1099 and it says 12,000 on it. I would still go ahead and report the 15,000 because what may happen in the future, you may not get audited for it, but DoorDash might get audited and then they might say, Hey, you've underreported all these people. And then, you know, if you underreported, they're going to have a notice of that at the IRS. They're going to send out corrected 1099s. If you see at the top of that 1099, there's a box up here that says corrected. So if they change it, they'll go ahead and yes. check that box and file it again. And this form goes directly to the IRS. Um, it goes on another form here. If I scroll up on this page, I downloaded this from the IRS. You can see their website here. Uh, and they would send this, copy A, to the IRS. And that's the IRS's page, and they would have a corrected 
checkbox on that one. So they would send this to the IRS, so the IRS knows what to expect. Yeah, I've heard from people that, uh, you know, last year, just seeing some things on forums, that people said that after they filed, then they got a notification that a corrected um, 1099 was sent out. And okay. so, just like you said, report the amount that you know, because if they do come back and correct it, then all of a sudden the IRS thinks you made more, or you did make more, and you didn't report enough. Right. And it raises a red right. flag. And, well, it not only raises a red flag, the IRS is probably going to send you a notice saying you underreported your income, and now you're going to have some additional yep. penalties, you're going to have some interest on there, and, and your tax bill is going to go up. And if you already received money back, you may owe that money back to the IRS, you know, and then right. some in addition to that. So um, it's it's always a good idea just to report what you made. You know, don't worry about the about the 1099. Um, and sometimes uh, people always ask the question, "Hey, I didn't make over six hundred dollars. I did I did delivery service for a couple of weeks. They didn't send me a 1099. Do I have to report it?" Same thing. If if it's under six hundred dollars. The company's not required to send you the 1099. It's part of a paperwork reduction act they had years ago. Uh, so they don't have to send that out on those small amounts, but you still have to report it. And if, you know, the IRS, if, on audit, they can access your bank accounts and all sorts of things. And if they see it, you know, you're going to get penalized and you're going to have interest and stuff like that. So um, not a good idea to leave money off. Uh, so that's where you have that. Uh, as far as, as far as, you know, correcting the errors, contact them. Uh, if it is under, I would include the amount in your compensation and put the total amount in there. Then if they do send a corrected amount, hey, you're already done. You don't have to amend your return. Yeah, 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 exactly. And, um, and that brings up, I think you've kind of answered it, but that brings up a different situation with a different company. One company that does their 1099s differently is Uber Eats. And I don't know if you've run across anybody that uses them because Uber Eats decided to use 1099K. I don't know if you've heard of that before. Well, the 1099K and is it's not the same as a 1099 miscellaneous. That says how much money was paid using credit cards. And so yes. you, as an yes. independent contractor from uh, Uber Eats, would receive that if you received credit card payments that they processed for you. So I get a 1099K each year from, mm -hmm. from Intuit, which is a QuickBooks company. QuickBooks processes my payment. When you come to me and have your taxes sure. done, you know, I charge you, I do a special for, uh, for drivers uh, starting at $169. And, you know, when they pay me that $169 and run their credit card, uh, QuickBooks takes care of that and puts the money in my bank account. And then they send me at the end of the year a 1099K, yeah. and that's the amount of credit card payments I've received. That's not necessarily all of exactly. your income. So you have to, so Uber Eats is doing is they're completely treating you as an independent contractor, and they're taking out their fee from what the, those charges are before they put it in the bank, I believe. Um, and then you have to keep track of the yes, rest of yes. it. Yes, that's, that's at least what they're, that's the narrative they're trying to create, at least by using that. Um, now, the delivery fees that they charge the customer don't line up with what they pay the driver, so it's kind of a sham. 
but that's totally different story altogether. I think it's all to try and create that picture that it is an independent contractor relationship. Right. But the problem is, is that, you know, the, the threshold is a lot higher. So a lot of Uber Eats drivers are not getting 1099 of any kind. Right. Um, so they so they don't they get a 1099, the 1099 because, because the driver is collecting their own money. They're collecting the money and then they're paying mm-hmm. a fee to Uber Eats. In DoorDash... DoorDash has a situation where DoorDash collects the money and then they pay you a fee for driving. Does that make sense? So, so you're receiving the income from DoorDash. The Uber Eats driver is receiving the income from the people ordering. Right. And so what that means is you have a higher probability of not having anything reported by Uber Eats because you earn a whole lot more money before they send any reporting out. And I think that goes to what you were saying then, that you don't want to leave money off of your report, though. Right. You don't want to leave money off there, so it's up to you every night. So if I do Uber and someone doesn't pay with a credit card, Uber is not going to give me a report of that. They're not going to give me a 1099 with that money on there. All they're going to do is say, hey, here's the credit cards we processed for you, and that's just a credit card processing statement. That is not an income statement. That's a credit card processing yeah. statement. Your income statement would be anything that Uber paid you. And it, from what you're telling me, that Uber doesn't pay that way. Uber, you collect all the money, and then you pay Uber a percentage of it. Yeah, yeah. So let me kind of transition to this, then, that you get that 1099. And let's say, like, the example that you've got there, the one that says $12,000. And so I look at that and I say, holy crap, that means I got to pay, you know, my income tax on that and I got to pay 15% on that. You know, so all of a sudden now I'm looking at $12,000. I'm looking at paying maybe three or $4,000 in taxes. Is that the case when you see that big of a number? Well, that is the case. So, so you mentioned the 15% there. Let's look at that. What that is, is, uh, let's do 12, uh, I have my calculator here, 12,598 and we multiply that times uh, there's a little bit of a reduction in there to, to for self-employment tax, but just as an estimate, we'll say 15.3%. So that's $1,900 right there. And what that amount represents is Social Security and Medicaid. So when you're an employee, you pay into these two funds that the government has. One is Social Security, which when you turn uh, you know, in your 60s, you can go ahead and claim that, and they give you a check each month. And they say, you're a retired person, now you get Social Security checks. And then Medicaid is an insurance policy, so when you are, you know, that same age when you're getting your Social Security, they give you a uh, sort of medical coverage. You know, it's a, a light medical coverage, doesn't cover everything, but it is medical coverage that seniors have. So everybody pays into that if you're an employee or if you're self-employed. So if you're self-employed, you pay that 15.3% on your total earnings. And when I say total earnings, that's your, that's not this number here, this 1099 miscellaneous number, because you have some expenses you can deduct from that. So you can say, hey, I drove mileage, um, for the year 2019, uh, the IRS allowed you to deduct 58 cents per mile that you drove. So if you, whatever mileage you drove, and, and, you know, I run across this too, people say, well, I had this app and, it recorded my mileage, and here I've got a thousand miles, and I made twelve thousand dollars. And I say, you drove more than a thousand miles. 
you know, your app didn't work. And that's a big problem with those apps. Yeah. Uh, people turn them on and they don't always track the mileage. They shut off halfway, their phone shuts off, whatever, yeah. or it just doesn't work. You know, their GPS doesn't work. And so it's tracking everything. So what I would recommend doing is opening up your little note section in your phone, have one note that's specific for your mileage, record your date, record what it says on your odometer as the mileage when you're getting in your car, when you're done and you're getting out of your car, record the mileage again, you got your beginning, you got your ending, subtract the two, that's how many miles you drove that day. So it's as simple as that, you know, record that. Mark, is there any, oh, I'm sorry. Um, and I don't mean to interrupt there. I'm sorry. Um, is there any truth to this? I've heard that auditors tend to trust the written record better than they do the GPS records. Have you heard anything like that? Than the GPS records? Uh, I, I I haven't heard anything about that. Um, the requirement is a, a written log, so it's up to you to you know to write down what the mileage is. Um, I have heard stories of oh somebody went and they had an audit and they went brought in a notebook. With the with the log in there, and the guy turned over the notebook, and it said uh, printed in 2021, and they were auditing them for 2018, and they said, "You just did this. This wasn't the log. You just did this last night, and you made it up." And so, <laughs> so, so you got to be careful about that. Um, I did have a professor. That's at, why you want to keep that record on an ongoing basis. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so that's um, what I do. I, I track my mileage daily. Um, I go into my notes. And just do it there. I tried the apps. I tried one through, um, there's one that's recommended by DoorDash. I tried that one. It wasn't very good. I think QuickBooks has one. I thought, oh, I can put this in my QuickBooks right away. That didn't work. Half the time it wasn't even running. It wasn't recording anything. I turn it on and then a couple minutes later the app would be, it would crash or whatever and it wouldn't be tracking my mileage. So, um, so every time I get in my car, I take the 30 seconds. You know, I know we're all in a hurry, 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 hurry. But I take the 30 seconds to just jot down my mileage. It, it really doesn't take that long. And then I save it in the I save it in the same note. So every day I just open up that same note and just add to it. And it's, you know, I've had, I've tracked it the whole year that way. And I've, now I'm done and I've got it. So, uh, you know, I don't know what else to tell you. I, I, people come to me. People come to me and they say, "Here's my mileage," and and I say, "I know you had more miles than that." Well, I don't know how to track it. You know, there's how you do it. Some people say that, uh, well, I don't itemize my deductions. I take a standard deduction, so it doesn't do me any good to track my expenses. What do you say to them? Well, as a delivery driver or a gig worker, you these aren't itemized deductions we're talking about. This is business income, and I don't have the form pulled up on my screen, so I can't show you, but it gets reported on a Schedule C, which is business and loss, uh, or I'm sorry, income and loss from business, and there you report your income, which here is our, our non-employee compensation, and then you get to reduce that income amount by expenses that you have of your business. And so let me give you some examples of expenses. For DoorDash, you're kind of limited. You really don't deal with the customers other than bringing them their food. So the kind of expenses you would have is, one, the mileage that you wrote down. That's the biggest one. And then the other expenses might be you bought a flashlight, you bought a bag, you bought a space blanket, any of those kind of things you needed for your car, um, those would be other deductions. Now, some people always ask me, they say, they say, well, you know what, I, I changed my oil in my car, I get to deduct that, don't I? And the answer is yes and no. So, yes, you can deduct normal wear and tear expenses, oil changes, gas, 
uh, put new tires on your car, car washes. You can deduct all those things or as an alternative, 58 cents a mile. It's not both. It's either or. Yes. So you either deduct the mileage or. or you do the expenses. Yeah. So you have to pick one and you do it that way. And then um, it, once you pick one, you're kind of stuck with that method going forward. So, um, you know, you want to keep it at that method. And usually what I found is yeah, that the mileage, the mileage rates that 58 cents a mile, that, uh, that works out way better than actual expenses. Yeah, I think the only time that you ever see it um, be better to use the actual expense method is if you got a really, really valuable car and you can write off a lot of depreciation. Right. But I would say you're kind of nuts for using that car for delivery because you're killing the value of that thing. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, I, I got other opinions on value than cars, so. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I've owned I've owned a lot in my day and and I've never yeah, seen a car yeah, keep, I've never seen a car keep its value no matter what I did to it. <laughs> so. Um, so I, I think your question there was, and I hope I answered it. I think your question was, I don't itemize. Why should I keep track of my expenses? Because these expenses, when you're a 1099 or a gig worker are deductible from the income on your Schedule C. has nothing to do with your itemized deductions. Um, you still get your standard deduction. But what you do want to do is you do want to try and reduce this 1099 income as much as you can because that Social Security and Medicaid is a completely separate tax from your income tax. And so the money that you have there, you're going to pay that 15.3%. Then on top of that, you're also going to pay income tax on that amount. So there's two taxes when you're self-employed. Actually, there's two taxes when you're everybody. You just don't see it because they take it out of your paycheck before they give it to you. Exactly, yeah. yeah and it's, it's not that we are being charged. Or, well, we are being charged more, sort of. It's not that the government is getting any more because we're self-employed. The difference being is when you're an employee, the employer pays half. But when you're self-employed, you're also the employer, so you get to pay both halves. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. That's why that's up so much. Yeah, so that fifteen point uh, that fifteen point three percent is the employee's share of the Social Security and Medicaid and the employer's share of the Social Security and Medicaid. And you when you're self employed, you are both, like you said, this the employee and the employer. So you're paying both of those. So yeah, so it is does look like to some people, oh I'm paying more. Um, however, that comes with the benefits of being self-employed. There are also, I, I just posted um, an article that I just came across while I was looking up something else, that uh, some of the companies, Lyft and Uber, um, will allow you to run your business as a company and accept an EIN number instead of your Social Security number. So that, um, along with those lines, allows you to um, form an LLC or even an S corporation and drive under those. So um, that, and that's probably a discussion for another time when we've got another half hour to talk. Uh, so, you know, yeah, so that's, that's a whole nother conversation we could have. But uh, just know that that's out there. Um, I don't think that DoorDash allows that right now. I've looked for it because there are some tax benefits and that can reduce, actually an S-Corp owner doesn't pay self-employment tax, but they do have to pay a wage out. So. But uh, like I said, another time we can yeah. discuss why that's a benefit. So, sure. 
Yeah, and that, that's definitely something that we, uh, you want to get a grasp on. You know, what's what are the advantages of doing that? And especially if you do a lot more self-employment work. Uh, that's that's where it really starts to come in. Um, let me ask about a couple of uh, deductions that I hear people mention every once in a while. Okay. Uh, what about taking the home office deduction as a driver? Well, you know, it, it's probably allowed, but I don't know if you have any home office activity that would make it allowed. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, you could do it if you had some home office activity. And so uh, the home office activity would be I have an office in my house that is a specific room. It can't be the dining room table. It can't be, you know, I sit in my living room chair. It's got to be a specific room that you have set up for doing business activity, and a substantial portion of your business activity has to take place there. So um, maybe your business activity that's, that's is... That's your problem right there. That, I think that's where you get disqualified because your business activity is really, hey, I turn on the app and I go drive, you know? So I think that's where you lose that you lose that home office deduction right there. Okay. Here's another one that I've heard some people throw out there that uh, they talk about taking their meals, writing off their meals while they're out driving because they say, well, we're traveling, so we can write this off, right? Yeah, no, the IRS says no on that one. So uh, meals, meals expenses, meals and entertainment expenses, oddly, um, would be not included in that. Um, that your self-meals, that's your own lunch, your own dinner. You can't do that. If you were traveling away from your home and you had to, you know, let's say you had to go to a, a business meeting somewhere in a different state, yeah, those meals would be deductible, and only half of those meals are deductible anyway. So, um, but no, the meals while you're driving are not deductible. I repeat that, not, not, not. I hear that a lot too. Hey, my friend told me she eats while she's out, and she deducts it. And and I, I love that when they say, well, she does it. And you know what? She may do that. And I always tell people, you know what? You may speed while you're delivering, but if you get caught, what's going to happen? They're going to give you a fine and a penalty, and you're going to have to go to court. And so that's what's going to happen with your tax return, too. If you put a bunch of stuff on there that's that's not allowed, you may get the refund right now, but later they're going to come back and want their money back and fine and penalize you and maybe even send you to tax court, which is a you know a real thing. So um, you know then you're yeah. then you're on that end of it. Well, talk real quickly about what kind of things, you know, what's the likelihood of something happening like an audit? What kind of things could make that more likely to happen? Well, I feel like if you have put some numbers on the return that don't make any sense. Okay, so I'm a, I'm a delivery driver. I've made $12,000 and I drove 99,000 miles for the year. I think that's going to set a red flag. You know, I'm being a little extreme there, but if, if you're saying you drove, you know, my deduction for mileage is, you know, exactly what I made in income, they know that's not true. Why? Because they're receiving, I, I put up this site before, this gig center. Um, it talks about, there's an article on here if you go through this. This is at irs.gov. You can see the link right here. Uh, gig-economy-tax-center. If you just go to irs.gov and type in gig economy, this will come up. But it, it gives you some links down here to some other information about gig workers. You know, what's a gig worker? Someone who drives their car for book rider deliveries. That's a gig worker. You know, other people are uh, Airbnb and stuff like that. So um, 
if you are putting numbers on there that are crazy, uh, the IRS is saying that this gig work is done by so many people now that they have are tracking the numbers and they know what's realistic. So that's one way you're going to get audited if you're putting if you're putting unrealistic numbers on your thing. If you're if you're a delivery driver and you're saying you have a home office, that might be a, a trigger. Um, you know, because we just talked about that. You know, if you're deducting your meals, that might be a trigger. Okay. And I know some people. Uh, I I took an Uber not too long ago and the guy said. Hey, you want a bottle of water? I got a bottle of water back there. And I was like, oh, cool. He's like, look, I've got bags of peanuts. And I was like, all right. So I took one, but he had to pay for that stuff. And those are actually deductible expenses. So he paid for those things. You know, I don't know if I tipped him anymore because of it, but that's another thing altogether. You know, I liked the bottle of water and the peanuts. I still gave him what I gave him for a tip. So uh, that's how that is. Uh, but so he can deduct those things. But, you know, if you're, so if you're, putting outlandish numbers on there or things that don't seem realistic, you're increasing the chances of being audited. And then as with the IRS, they also do what's called random audit. And certain areas they picked and choose on and and the amount of time and effort the IRS is spending setting up websites for gig workers and things like that, you can imagine that they're probably on their radar. So there's probably going to be more audits of these types of people um, than other areas. So um, just being there just being a gig worker sets you up for the chance that you might get audited. Um, you know, you can look on the, you can look all over the internet and search for how often am I going to get, or how am I going to get audited, things like that. And there's all sorts of opinions out there. And there's, there's some things that say there's like a 0.02 chance you're going to get audited, but I guess any chance is probably bad, right? Again, again, you know, look back to it. You know, I'm speeding. What's the chance there's going to be a cop sitting down the street and I don't see him? You know, same thing. You know, they're out there. They're looking for you. It is, it is random, and there's also red flags that are set. You consider the fact that it's not uncommon for delivery or rideshare drivers to put on twenty or thirty thousand miles on their car. You know, and that's a high enough number just in and of itself that uh, for most other professions, that's going to raise a red flag if you're claiming that many miles. You know, I, I, so that's but what, I think, what, I, what I think is out there, what I tell people is I think that the IRS has enough data right now that they know, and they, and they know from some of these services that report some of this information, you know, they, have, they keep reports of it. Um, some of the drive share I've seen, some of the apps actually show how many miles the things were and stuff like that. DoorDash isn't one of them. But, uh, you know, some of them do that so they, they can tell you, like, hey, we pay a dollar per mile or we pay 80 cents per mile for these things. And the IRS is knows those things. They also know that in between deliveries, in between rides, you know, maybe there's some driving around that goes on. You know, you're driving to a location where you think people might be, that kind of thing. Um, so those miles add up, too. But they know these things, and they have statistics for it. So they have ranges. Oh, that's yeah, they have ranges of where yeah. it should be. Yeah, and that's why I think it's important, you know, people don't realize probably when you're filling out your Schedule C, there is a place where you enter the type of business that you're running. And I think that, that kind of helps clarify that. If you're not putting in as you're doing delivery work, right. you know, then all those miles might look out of place. Yep, but and, and you stumped me on that one because I was trying to think, I was trying to think what is the actual one that I do, and I don't remember offhand, but I think it says courier on there. I think it's the is the section that you pick for that. I mean, you can put delivery driver to ask. 
Yeah, there's a, a specific code that you put in on your tax return, and it tells what it is, and they have a list of them. And I think it's, it falls under courier service. Courier or delivery, I think yeah. it says. And I think that's the one you I choose. I think you're right, yeah. I, I don't remember off the top of my head, so you did stump me a little bit there. Uh, sometimes that happens. But I think the last no, time it happened was 1980. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know all the answers. I just I just pretend like I do. <laughs> so... Thing though, I mean, you you do this. This is what you do, and and there's still things that you you know you got to look up, you got to find out. Oh, there are, and you know, and I I, I people to understand. And I've taught income tax uh, income tax classes at the college level for over 12 years, and I I you know there I always tell them I used to bring in when they used to do paper books and not everything online. I used to bring in a copy of the uh, the Internal Revenue Code and the regulations. And then that's a, you know, there's these books that are three inches thick, and there's like nine of them all together just for the, the law part of it. And then they've got all these publications. You've got letter rulings. You've got, you know, so you can't know every little bit of it. You can, you know, the things you see more frequently, you know those, and then you know enough to, hey, i got to go look this up because I remember there's something there, but I don't remember all the details with it, so I always want to look it up. So when you're paying someone to prepare your taxes, they're looking up those things, you know, maybe you can say, Oh, I looked them up. I looked on the thing or mine's easy. I can do it. And you know, some of these for these people who get these 1099s, I'm all for people doing their own tax returns. Uh, you know, if I get that I make my living doing this, but you know, some people don't need me to do it for them. You know, it's really easy and they can do it themselves. I was pretty appalled when I saw that, um, I called H and R block to find out what it cost. And they told me, uh, anywhere between 350 and 380 dollars to do a Schedule C return with nothing else on it, and I said that's crazy. Um, and that's when I decided. Holy cow! And that's when I decided. Well, you know what? I, I know how long this will take me. I'll charge 169 dollars. You know, plus the what Intuit charges me for the tax software, which is about, which is another thing. They start out at 45 dollars. Then by the time tax season's at the end, they're up to like 70 dollars. So they raise their price as time goes on. Yeah. So you're better off doing it sooner yeah. than later. So, um, yeah, so, I, you know, I thought, I, I can't, I couldn't see charging someone $350 for that, but that's just me, you know. <laughs> I'm not as greedy as they yeah. are. <laughs> so, uh, Well, talk, talk about that just a little bit, because, you know, like you said, there, there's so much information that it, it's impossible for us to try and cover it in any kind of depth in, you know, half hour. We see several of these, and... <laughs> and not get anywhere close to covering everything. At what point do you think somebody should get some professional help for doing their taxes? Kind of what, how, how would you kind of determine when it makes sense to get somebody to help you when you feel comfortable trying to do it yourself? I, I feel like uh, the people who come to me who really need help are people who they've looked at their taxes and they it, maybe they've done it last year, they did it the year before themselves, and they said, you know, I really had a hard time finding this information. I, I looked up I wasn't sure. I didn't feel confident in it. I didn't, you know, I read it one place. I saw one thing. I read it another place. I saw something completely opposite, which happens when you start searching on the internet. You know, God forbid I went to, God forbid I went to Facebook and took information off anybody there who didn't, you know, provide me a source link. <laughs> so I read through some of those posts and I'm like, who are these people? So, you know, there's, uh, you know, if, if you're one of those people who like, you've looked at it up, you don't know where to put it, you can't make sense of the instructions, seek help. Okay. Um, there are places out there you can get help from. 
I know uh, just on top that, you know, TurboTax, they always say free tax, free tax, free tax, unless you have a business, right? And then there's, um, there, is the, there is the Volunteer Income Tax Assistance Program. Those are in most major cities. Most major towns have them. Um, it's called VITA, V-I-T-A program. It's an IRS program with volunteers who take a test to prepare easier returns, and they, they go to a library on the weekends, and people come in and get your tax return prepared for free. So look that up, VITA. I think it's, I, I'm not sure about the website, but it's, if you type in VITA or Volunteer Income Tax Assistance, uh, that will come up and you'll see where to look for that and it'll tell you where locations are. So you can have that done. Um, I, I think they'll do gig workers who have small amounts without deductions. Uh, I think if you have a full business, they might say no, turn you away and tell you to go talk to an accountant. Some of these places that, uh, man, I can remember, I, I almost, I, I almost took a job one time for a place that it was, it was a chain, it was a national chain, um, they did the dancing statues, <laughs> leave it at that. <laughs> From what I, and basically what they did was they, they put these people through a training on how to run the software. And so you've got all these people doing tax returns that don't really know a whole lot more than, the average person on the street about how the tax code works. They just know how to run the software. Right, and they've hired them. And if you go on, and and, and you can tell because if you look on payscale.com and look up tax preparer, it'll tell you what a, a, a HR, block, HR block employee who does that makes. Uh, they pay them anywhere from 12 to $15 an hour. And so they're they're not really versed in the tax law. Um, I, I, if I made 12 to $15 an hour, I would be in trouble because I have uh, student loans that have been haunting me for years, you know, and over $100,000. So I would never, ever be able to pay those off. As it is, I might not ever be able to pay those off. But, uh, you know, so that's those people, they aren't trained to do it. They're trained how to enter some stuff in the software, and they're no better off than you doing it yourself. You know, so I would, uh, my opinion, you know, I don't want to mock anybody. I, I, I use, uh, sometimes I use TurboTax just because I can, you know, do it quickly. I don't have to pay for the tax software that mine is for. I, business software for me is a lot more than it is for you know some of the free offers and stuff like that I can get through TurboTax. So I've done it in the past for myself. Um, you know, just trying to save a buck and you know that's a good way to go for a lot of people. You know, do the TurboTax, figure it on your own. Um, there are places out there you can get help. Like I said, the Vita assistance. The um, there's also a taxpayer advocate you can call if you have questions. Um, all things you can locate on the IRS website. They have information on that. So you can look up those things. Um, yeah. You know, I would stay away from Jackson Hewitt, H uh, and R Block. I don't know who the other ones are. Liberty. I don't think they're prepared. Liberty is. Yeah. 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 If someone if someone doesn't have yeah, at I, least I, a I, at least a degree in accounting and even a degree in accounting isn't really geared towards tax. Um, you know, I I went one step further than that. I my master uh, my master of law degree is from DU. Uh, the law school there, Master of Taxation, so I mastered in it, so I took another, I don't know, 12 or 14 classes while I was there, and, you know, so I know a little bit more about the tax law than most people do. Um, these people that they're hiring know how to do the software and pretty much know how to do some simple tax tasks. Yeah, and folks, um, that you're listening, um, I'm going to put Mark's contact information in there because he is able to help some folks out. Um, and as, as, as I understand, you can work with people nationwide 
maybe the questions might be around uh, maybe specifics around state taxes might be a little different, but uh, state taxes might be difficult. Yeah. You got some availability. Great. To help people out. Yeah, if you want to, um, yeah, if you go to my website, which is uh, it's Tax and Accounting Service Company, so the acronym T A S C publicaccounting.com. Um, there's a link on there. You can schedule an appointment with me either in in person if you're in here in Colorado, in northern Colorado. Um, you can do a phone call with me wherever you are, or you can also just send me your documents, take a picture of them, send them to me, and I can do your taxes remotely. So I can do it anywhere in the United okay. States. So, all right, Ron, I appreciate, uh, appreciate right. you calling me, and uh, you know, if we really want to set up some time to talk about S-corporations and things like that, I'd be more than happy to do that. So, uh, hey, you I'd have, love to talk some more. Yep. So. Have a great day, Ron, and uh, thanks for calling. Thank you, Mark. Okay, bye-bye. You bet. So what do you think, Courier Nation? I want to thank Mark for joining us and, and apologize once again for the audio quality. Uh, we ran a little bit longer here on this, but I think Mark just had a lot of good information for us. So it, it was worth taking a little bit of extra time on that. Well, Courier Nation, I want to ask you a question as we wrap this up today. And that is, is the information you're finding on the website helpful? Is it useful to you at all? If so, and if it is, can I ask a favor? Could you please spread the news, share us, let people know about the podcast, let people know about the Andre Courier website, because if more people can find us, then I think that's more people that we can help to run their delivery business. In the meantime, Courier Nation, one final thing that I ask you is please never forget ever to always go out there, take control of your finances, your career, your business, go out there and be the boss. 